How you doing? I'm Mike Gaddy and welcome to the Patterson Park Podcast. I am going to tell you something I guarantee you did not know about me. I was a performer. Yes, back in college. Yeah, back in college. So like 89, 90, 91. I was Mikasa. Mikasa, the drag queen. <laughs> I actually was a title holder. I was Miss Zippers. Yeah, that lasted about three weeks and it did not end well. However, I have always had a fascination with drag. Not to do it, God knows, like I said, not good. But watching it, seeing these performers that are creative powerhouses. So it was with total excitement that I finally got to sit down with one of Baltimore's drag sensations, Pariah Sinclair. Pariah and I talked and talked and talked. We covered everything. We covered how she's had to change. The entire drag community has had to change with COVID-19. She's learned new things. She created her own podcast. She's become her own producer and editor and videographer and the list goes on. We talk about what it's like to become and transform as soon as she puts on her makeup and pumps and beaded gown the ultimate Baltimore housewife. So please join me as we sit down, we talk all things drag with Baltimore drag sensation Pariah Sinclair. Take a listen. So when I started stalking you, uh, I came across this Baltimore ultimate housewife sort of, you know, uh, thing that you had going on on your on your uh, website and on your social media accounts and sort of how you market yourself. How did you come up with that? What was the inspiration for that? So I would say the inspiration for that was just like w w what I kind of grew up like seeing on TV because I love the Real Housewives. Uh, I guess wait, that wait. which which now which city because they all have different personalities. Yes, so I would say right now. Because they, they obviously change. But right now, I think it's Potomac is my favorite. Because um, I will say that season, that show, every season, it's gotten better and better and better and crazier and wilder and more delusional as the seasons go. Because <laughs> um, I will say, when, when that show first started... That's the, saying something, because they're pretty delusional. <laughs> yes. The first season of Potomac wasn't good at all. Like, the first season was not good. But I, I binged it over the over the pandemic, and it, it got better every season. Uh -huh. I have a soft spot in my heart for Atlanta, but once like I think it was by like season nine, I kind of stopped watching. Um, and then I love New Jersey, but once once Teresa and Joe got in legal trouble, it got very sad. It got very sad. Too real. It was too real. Um, but yeah, I would say right now it's Potomac. But I am excited for Beverly Hills. Do you watch Beverly Hills? I, now look, I I am not a big Real Housewives fan. Sure. However, when my husband is watching the news, that mm. means he's actually watching one of the Real Housewives. And I will say that, you know, I'm an, I'm an event photographer. I make my, my living shooting, normally shooting events across the United States. And mm -hmm. I was shooting a plastic surgery convention called the aesthetics show in Las Vegas years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was up on a, a, a chair, like doing a crowd shot and I felt someone grab my ass. <laughs> and I, I turned around and I looked down and there's Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> and I said, Lisa Vanderpump, you just grabbed my ass. And she said, yes, baby, I did. <laughs>
sucks. Honestly, like, I feel like, so Ryan, my, my boy self, is 25, but Pariah is like a 35, 40-year-old woman. So you add age when yes, you become Pariah. How else is your yeah, everything change? Yeah, I would say like, I would say Ryan is there is a good um, medium of like a good balance of like introvert and extrovert, but Pariah is extrovert. Like she's totally outgoing, totally just down for whatever. Bitchy. Uh, bitchy, shady. Like I feel like I feel like every gay man has that bitchy and shadiness in them. But like when you when I when I'm in Pariah, <laughs> when I'm in Pariah, it's just like cranked all the way up. I because I would say like. For me, like drag, my drag persona is an exaggeration of everything, of age, wealth, um, everything. Everything Earrings. is, yeah, <laughs> everything is exaggerated um, for with Pariah. So, yeah. And, and same with the Real Housewife franchise; those are all super exaggerated too. Exactly. To the point, well, I mean, I met Lisa Vanderpump at mm. a plastic surgery convention where they were doing liposuction on the convention floor. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a different culture than just you know. Uh, yeah, it's excess. So that, that's what all the, it's, it's excess, yes. Yeah, well, um, how long does it take for you to get into the pariah character, meaning putting on the makeup, putting on all the costuming? Um, I would say it would be anywhere from two to three, like 90 minutes to three hours. It really depends on the gig. I, my sweet spot is like two hours, like two, two, two and a half hours. That's like my sweet spot to get ready. Do you find yourself like, oh my God, I only have an hour and a half left? <laughs> you all, know, all the time, all the time, <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I always try to not to rush, but I always end up rushing. Cause I don't, like when, when, I'm in, when I do my makeup, I like to like watch TV or like listen to like podcasts. Like I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, um, what's the word? Just being distracted by something. So I always, especially for brunch, cause I'm not a morning person at all. So if I have to get up before 11, it's, yeah, it's not good. Well, I don't think you can be a drag queen, really, and be a morning person. Mm. I mean, I think very quickly you would become a non-morning person because, you know, your hours when you perform, I mean, I've seen shows go on at closing time, at, you yeah. know, and, you know, sort of as the after party. But yeah, Baltimore is interesting because I would say, especially in the last, what year, 20, 20, okay. last like four years, the brunch culture has like exploded in Baltimore. Um, just because, just for a variety, variety of factors, I guess, cause like there are so few um, queer venues in Baltimore. So we kind of had to go to the restaurants, you know, to the straight restaurants to make money. And also brunches more, more than not, or more money um, for, for performers. But how does a, performing the straight venue differ from performing in um, one of the gay bars or gay um, gay venues around uh, around the area and not just Baltimore Washington and yeah. Philly and um, I would say honestly like it might be surprising but like I would say let's just take a brunch for instance they're kind of more accept not an exception but they're more they're there for a reason you know what I'm saying uh, like obviously if a straight woman is going to a brunch or straight people going to a brunch they're there to see a show you know that they're they're obviously sometimes they get wild, but more than not, they're 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 there to like give you attention. Versus sometimes versus like if you're going to a bar, depending if it's just like a free show, sometimes the people there are not really paying attention to you. So, but I mean, it also depends on the show. So like if it's like a night show and it's like ticketed, yeah, they're paying attention to Grinder. Exactly, paying attention to Grinder. They they they, 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 they want to get drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
And I'll say, I don't really like doing, I don't really like doing, I love doing, I'll say this, I love doing night shows. Night shows are like very my bread and butter, but I don't like doing a night show at a, at a solo gay club where it's like a dance party and then there's um, drag in between. Don't like doing that shit at all. Don't like it. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. When you are in one of these venues and you have hecklers, do you ever get hecklers? You get people yelling insults as you're performing? Uh, you no, not really. I mean, I would say that the worst is people that like don't, 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 don't pay attention. Right. Um, so that would be sometimes like just people are on their phone. Um, you know, they'll be like, mostly it's like a straight guy that doesn't want to be at the brunch. That Then I just take the phone, either I turn it, either I literally take the phone out their hand and put it face down or I'll take it and just, you know, go, go, go like keep performing and then give it back. Uh, but usually me taking it, putting it face down gets the, the <laughs> yeah, you, you get it. It gets the message across. Yeah. yeah, one thing about being a drag queen, I guess you don't have to be subtle on anything mm -hmm. or tactful. Not at all, no. <laughs> Hmm, maybe I am in the wrong, in the wrong. Yeah, because that's the thing with drag is that you can definitely get away with a lot more um, right. when you're in it, yeah. So how how long have you been doing it? Uh, it will be five years in July. Now, in Baltimore, do we have um, like the drag families and the drag houses and drag mothers like you see? Yeah. Um, what are some, uh, do you belong to a house? What are some of the different Yeah, houses? so I do belong to a house, but it's like, a, I guess it's not your traditional drag house. Um, it's called the House of Death Lamb. And they're more, so I am definitely like the more um, traditional drag in the, in the house. Like the house is more alternative, very goth. Huh. Um, my mom, my drag mom is a, is a club kid. She did a lot of like, um, she, she used to live in Dallas, Texas. So she did oh, a lot Dallas of- Oh, like, Dallas is wild. Yeah, now yeah. I, yeah, I, she, she, she did a lot of pop-up gigs, a lot of like BDSM stuff. Um, there's a lot of wild shit in Dallas. And More this, than, is, this yeah. is your grand grandmother? No, my drag mom. Your drag, drag mother. <laughs> I yeah. have a grandmother. I was like, no, oh, I this is my grandmother. drag mom. Um, <laughs> so she's more on the producer side, the more club kid event producing side of drag. So she came to Baltimore a little bit after I started drag. And um, yeah, so we, first we, we started like a friendship and she came to me because she wanted to start like, like warehouse parties in Baltimore. Unfortunately, that's very hard to do in this city. So we never eventually got to do that, but we there was this brunch called Goth Brunch that we did probably like three years ago at Rock of Venus in Baltimore. Um, it was it was great. It was like like literally the stuff you would see at a night show, like the wild crazy shit. But at twelve at noon noon on a Sunday, um, yeah, it was great. And and we, we've done other events. The Eagle, we've done. I had a show at Sidebar, a, a monthly show, and then we would do House of Death Glam um, shows. Our last show before Co before COVID, um, it was like a Jerry Springer Maury inspired show. Um, it was called Who's Your Baby Daddy. So we do just like shit like that. Just very um, wild, just kind of, what's the word? Just like tongue in cheek type of shit, like satire type of shit. So who is your baby daddy? <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll have to come to the next show to find out. Oh, I will. I, <laughs> I, this is right up my, this is in my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, one of the things when you're watching mainstream drag, and by that I mean RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Uh, you, the, one of the very first questions they ask is, do you sew? 
So I, I guess my question for you for you would be, do you sew? Do you do you do your own costumes? Do you go out and buy costumes? And this is expensive. Yeah, so I do not sew. Um, I, that's my next thing I want to do is get a sewing machine because I live in a one bed, I lived in a one, I live in a one bedroom apartment. So I don't have the space. I didn't have the space in my old place. Luckily now I do have more space. So I definitely, that's the next goal is to get a sewing machine, but I can hand sew. And I also like stone and like um, accessorize and then, you know, blue gun. dragify my costumes. But um, yeah, blue no, gun. But, yeah, blue gun. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I do, I have like, luckily I have like designers that I, I work with that I, that make, that I um, collaborate on stuff. So who do you work with? Um, so uh, this is amazing um, designer in Baltimore. His name is Egypt Chloe. He's made me a couple outfits. He does, he's a male performer. Um, and he makes outfits for a lot of the performers in Baltimore. Her name is Miriam Paul. She makes me, I wear a lot of stuff by her. With COVID happening and you yes. being in live uh, venues and relying on live performances mm -hmm. for you, know, you to do your art, how has COVID changed and impacted how you have had to perform over the last year and a half? Yeah, so yeah, COVID is definitely like we've had to shift from, you know, live in person to digital, to doing um, Facebook Live, to doing Zoom shows, to doing, yeah, just um, to, then, um, so I, I, yeah, then to doing like pre recorded content. So, you know, in literally a week, we had to become our own, um, you know, videographer, editor, producer, director, all of that. So, you know, it, it was definitely a shift. And I think, um, yeah, it was just a lot. It was, but I definitely learned that digital drag, I guess doing pre-recorded content is not really my, um, my thing, at least video wise. I definitely, I, I, I have my own podcast. So I, we, we need to talk and we'll talk about that later. But I, I started that in like November, December. So that's definitely more of my, my thing. And I would say COVID has made me realize what I really want to do with drag which is like to be more of like a personality, like I guess, personality, um, so, so, so to say, a talk show host in a like way. An Oprah. Like an Oprah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Oprah is as a real housewife. If Oprah was a real housewife. <laughs> yes. I got it, okay. Um, so that leads me to my second question, which is a lot of artists have told me that, that at first COVID froze them in their tracks. They didn't know what to do. And then they began to realize it was, in, uh, was it actually an opportunity to learn new things and to branch out into new things, which they can then incorporate down the road. Has it just been a pain in the ass or has it also let you be creative in ways that you wouldn't have thought of uh, uh, unless it had happened? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely allowed me to be more creative. Like I definitely, have learned more about like um, audio, like video, all of that editing. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not the best with video editing, but I've gotten better since, you know, having to do my own videos. Yeah, so I definitely have learned a lot through COVID and definitely, and definitely know how to just up my content a lot. Um, yeah, because literally COVID made me, um, you know, literally get a mic and, and you know, get, um, um, a, 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 was it a ring light and maybe get all of that. I didn't have a, a tripod or a ring light or any of that before COVID. So. Right, right. Yeah. 
and so you do your own podcast. Yes. You do, uh, you have a whole bunch of stuff that you do. We'll get to all of that in a second. But one thing I really wanted to ask you about um, is the driveway drag, because yeah. that happened like within a very, uh, not so long after COVID hit, the Queen started doing these driveway drag shows. And from an outsider looking in, it seems like it has been a huge success. Yeah, and I, I will say like, I, so I don't organize them in Baltimore. My good friend, Avon Michelle, she organizes them with her event company called Sad Brunch. Um, but I will say before her, there was a queen in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia called Michelle Levine. And she kind of um, brought that into the forefront. But yeah, I mean, driving drag shows have been very, very good. because It's literally bringing us directly to the people Obviously, safely, of course, but yeah, it's a very more intimate experience because a lot of people um, that before COVID didn't have the time to go to a drag show or maybe they didn't feel comfortable being um, in a full crowd of people seeing a drag queen or, you know, that they have children, so they can't go to a drag show, you know, so it. Now, a lot of the projects that you work on are really uh, uh, family friendly, surprisingly so for a drag you know, entertainer. Typically, you think of drag entertainers as being, you know, fairly risque. Even RuPaul, you know, has yeah. has a, uh, I would say, a, a PG-13 rating or higher, you yeah. know, on some of those shows. Um, I guess my question is, has more family-friendly drag shows, and I'm thinking in particular, you're doing this, um, this drag show at the upcoming at the Baltimore uh, Jewish um, Museum, uh, which is story drag story drag queen story time. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's drag queen story time for the Baltimore drag not drag Baltimore Jewish Museum. Uh, obviously, that'll be virtually. That is May fourth. But yeah, but virtually. yeah, virtually. Um, but it is ironic because because I am not your typical like family friendly drag queen, like my my stuff, like my, a lot of like the mixed performances I do are not family friendly. But for me, I want to be as well-rounded of an entertainer as possible. I want to be accessible to really everybody. So yeah, and I, 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 I do the drag queen story times and then we do driveway drag shows. A lot of them, I, I did like 11 year old's birthday party like a month ago. So yeah, so yeah, I've done kind of everything from like the, you know, the risque to like, you know, sitting down in front of two-year-olds and reading um, a book. Uh, how was your family growing up? Are they, do they, are they accepting of what you do? Is it a problem? Do you mind talking about it? I don't mind at all. Yeah, I would say like, I, <laughs> I feel like once I, once they became a drag queen, they were kind of over it because I, I came after them like several times. Like I was bi, then I was gay, uh, and then I told them I was queer, and then I, then I was a drag queen. So it was a lot of coming out to them. Like he's, cause I, I feel like once I started making money and started to like actually go somewhere with it, then they, they kind of were like, they kind of understood it. But I, I, I think it took them literally four or five years to realize like, how big drag is. I don't think they understood like how mainstream and like big drag is and how like lucrative it can be. Right. Um, so yeah, but no, but the, the, they've, they've come to shows, they've seen me live, so yeah. 
So you have a bunch of projects going on right now. You mentioned your prod, uh, your podcast. Uh, you have some shows going on on a regular basis around town. Um, tell me about your podcast and tell me about the shows that you're doing. Yeah, so I have my podcast, We Need to Talk with Pariah Sinclair. Um, so when this, pod, when this episode comes out, season one will be done with. Um, I have done 20, I think it'll be 21 episodes, um, which I'm very, 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 very proud of because I've, I've done it all myself. Um, yeah, so, it, so the podcast, I interview different queer icons in Baltimore. So I've interviewed drag queens, I've interviewed um, artists, like, like um, rappers and singers. I've interviewed um, the um, LGBT liaison for the mayor's office. So a different variety of queer people that are really um, paving the way in Baltimore. So yeah, that's awesome. So what is what is some advice you can give anyone that wants to like host or show produce a now? I mean, honestly, not not everyone is a host. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is a host, even though as gay culture, we are confident people. <laughs> we are confident until the world the world ends. We will confident still be confident. going into delusional. Yes. Right. We <laughs> the world can be coming to an end and we will still be screaming Britney Spears. And uh, tell me a little bit about the shows that you're doing. Yeah, so right now I host the Drag Race Moon Parties at the Manor. Um, so season 13 just ended, and whenever All Stars starts up again, I'll be doing that. So that'll be every Friday at the Manor. I host my own brunch at A Love and Regret that is starting up on May 23rd. You can get tickets at olarbmore.com. So that's every fourth Sunday. Um, I am at, I'm in DC once a month for, for bingo at the Wonder Garden. So I'm doing Bingo. It. Yeah, bingo at the Wonder Garden, drag and bingo. So the people who attend, are they like your little bingo ladies or? <laughs> no, they're, they're, so like, um, so I used to do, before COVID, I did a, a bingo at Golden West in Hamden. We did that twice a month. And it'll be a whole variety of people. So it, it, we, we did have a couple groups of like old ladies and then, but usually it's like, I would say like ages like 20, like 20s to like 40s, a good range of people. One thing I have learned doing this podcast and talking to all the different entrepreneurs, activists and artists and creative people that we've done over the last several weeks is how adaptable they are, especially Pariah Sinclair. She has learned to do her own podcast. She's learned to do her own video editing and sound and producing and the list goes on. I'm not done talking to Pariah, but I didn't want to do another traditional podcast episode, so I'm doing something a little bit different. If you haven't already done so, head over to our Patterson Park Podcast group Facebook page and join. Because then, on Wednesday, you'll be notified when I do the Pariah Sinclair Extra Special Bonus. It's not going to be long, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and we're going to sit back down with Pariah and talk about a few things that I left out of this episode. So please join us this Wednesday for an extra special bonus. We'll stream the video up to Vimeo and YouTube if you miss it live. It'll also be on all of our audio channels. Meanwhile, have a great couple weeks. We'll talk to you soon.